0: I've I got a lot to do. I'm going to do some science. I don't blow things up anymore. Dr. <laughs> Boom is boomed out because of 9 11 and your security guys. They put me in jail every time I bring a few interesting chemicals. I do have a movie clip of one of my experiments, and you'll see that. But I'll, I want to talk to you today about whether you're sure of your Christian faith. Are you sure? That's a question we've got to talk about. Now, this guy. He's gonna leap off the cliff into life because he wants to fly like those pterodactyls. And his friend said, Look here, sure. So that a pointy head and long peak is what makes him fly. And I put that up because you can't leap into life, guys. Uh, there's women here. What am I telling? You can't go off into life without being sure that what you believe is true and right. Uh, so. Tonight I'm giving a three-part talk, a real humdinger, on being sure of the truth. I want to point out, first of all, whether things are true depends on the evidence. I'm going to give you some evidence from science, so you've got to get your brain in gear for that. And I want to, because I'm a scientist professionally, and I want to ask you the last question, really. Hey, it may be true, but does the gospel work? you are going to see the gospel's true, but the question is, does it work? So those are the things we've got to get through. And let's talk about the way truth depends on evidence, first of all, because it's important. If you're going to come to Boulevard and hear about Jesus and all the stuff about the Christian faith, to see that our faith, as Christians, rests on very credible evidence. You've got a lot of guys out there who are naturalists, materialists, atheists, TV shows that will discredit the Christian faith, and I want you to know it depends because on evidence, because the gospel that this church stands for is a reliable message. And we're going to see that. You know, you get a lot of... I don't know why you go on the internet checking things. You probably don't have big bank accounts now. But I get these things on my computer that that, that claim that if only I go online and give them my bank account number, they can sort me out. Uh, And of course... I always think, man, does that really come from my bank or not? Because there's a lot of what we call phishing messages that really want money out of my pocket. And uh, they can sound pretty authentic. I go on the internet and oh, my bank needs my bank account. But of course, they're just trying to steal my money. So it's very important. However it sounds, you check it out. You see, this guy is not going to live very long attached to a pair of shoes. But as he plunges to it, he said to the guy in the parachute, you know, it's amazing how much parachute and parachutes sounds alike over the roar of an airplane engine. And I, I show you that is pretty tragic for the guy, but funny, nevertheless, there's a lot of stuff that you get on TV that you may even score on your science class that sounds okay over the roar of science, but it doesn't hold up. Your chances of it being right, are just about as good as the chances of the first picture I showed you, flying with a pointy head and long beak. You've got to check whether it holds up, because the question... You know, people say to me, the gospel's reliable, but it's got distorted over all these centuries. And the question is, is the message distorted? I don't know if I've ever played this party game. I might try it, you know, like a party crowd. Yeah, this is a party game, You, you kind of whisper a message to someone... He passes it to the next, passes it to the next, and they pass it down the line, and then you compare the message you started with with what the guy hears at the end. Well, try it. I'm going to give you a message. You pass it down here. we better skip the ladies, because they always remember it, you know. <laughs> we'll, we'll pass it down here, and this is G- Gamal. Gamal, he's got a sharp mind. Uh, we'll see what Gamal gets. So so are you ready? I'm going to give you this message. The long one, you've got to try and remember it. Okay, I'm only going to tell you once. Winners. <laughs> check the best by Oh, it's a on. Oh, man. Oh, hey. You guys are cheating. <laughs> How do I turn this off? <laughs> All right, just give it to Miss Vicky and try to pass it on quick. Come on, pass it on. Well, Tell him what you think you heard. Come on. (laughs) We can't waste all night on this. I can't waste all night on this. You heard, Alfred. On the mic, come on. It's getting shorter. Long, short, long, short. All right. Have you told him? All right, come What did he get? Ah, well, there you go. (laughs) Doesn't it get distorted? I actually said, if you buy pickle dills at Winners, check the best buy date before... Uh, pick, no, sorry, if you buy pickled dills at Winners, check the best buy date, or you may become a loser and get sick after supper.
1: <laughs> Nothing I'm like... You, know, you see?
0: You <laughs> see how messages get distorted? Now, let me tell you something, because I don't have a lot of time. The fact is, the more direct the message, the more qualified the messenger, the more confidence you have in its validity. I'm an honest man. Camille is a bright boy. If I told him that message and said, tell him us," he'd probably get it right. You see, the gospel is completely reliable because it doesn't come to a lot of human agencies. It comes directly to us from the people who were with Jesus. And they, they they walked with him. They talked with him for three years. And, and they passed the message on absolutely directly. And so when the disciples of John the Baptist were doubting and questioning, they came to Jesus, he said, look, you go and tell John what you see and hear. And I want you to, as a gospel, is based on something that we see and hear directly. This message about Jesus was authenticated, was shown to be real because they saw Jesus, they heard him, and they touched him. And it's physical reality, and it's direct. So don't buy this idea that people made it up, that the disciples heard what Jesus said, Jesus came from God, and that's what the Bible records very directly. That's why it's true. Now one of the things about truth, you've got to get it's not a matter of opinion. A lot of people say, "Well, it all depends what you think." I mean, you're a bright bunch. This this guy is great at maths. I fig- can you figure this out? What's two plus two? Just work on it. Two plus two, maybe. You to a friend. Yeah, ask him. Ask him. Yeah, ask him. Yeah, four. Of course it's four. But if you said it's five for extremely large value of x, you're wrong. Because it's not a matter of opinion. Don't say, well, I think it's four, thinks think it's five, we'll take the average, we'll say four and a half. Because it's not a matter of opinion. That's the first thing. Truth is objective, it's out there, but of course it needs evidence to substantiate. You know, when I cleared up my lab at the university, when I retired, I used to work with platinum, it's very valuable. I had a big grant from the American Air Force. Why they gave me money, I'll never know. But I bought this platinum equipment about 30 years ago, and I'm clearing up my lab, and I kept finding these bits of metal. And I'm thinking, oh, man, is this platinum? I could, I'll be a rich man. And, of course, the only way I could find it, well, I had a pretty good idea by looking at it, but the only way I could really find out was to test it. So I put into acid, it would bubble away, and the hydrogen would come off, Oh, I say, oh man, that's just a base metal. It's a bit of zinc or magnesium or something. In fact, uh, you know, you remember from from your high school days how you could, uh, whoops, you can test the hydrogen and make it pop. I'd find stuff. Sometimes I'd find a bit that, I think, oh, that's not platinum, but I'll test it. I've tried to burn this chapel down for years. I'm going to have one last try tonight. There you go. This is, I hope, oh yes, this is magnesium. So it burns real bright. Now, I can't do my explosions, but I, I can't even look at it, it's so bright. I know that they <laughs> you can't burn platinum or gold, that's why they're valuable. So I know that they're not platinum. Why? Because I test them. The truth is disclosed by the evidence. And that's important to so remember. You'll hear these TV shows that say science tells us this. This is what science says, but actually I'm a scientist, I check it all out, and it doesn't stand up to scrutiny. If you really examine it, underneath this lies, lies, lies. Because truth depends on solid evidence. You know, these guys are saying on TV that life began in some, what they call, primordial soup. I've been looking for primordial soup for years. (laughs) I can't find any primordial soup. You see, I know as a chemist that that doesn't stand up to the evidence. So, that's an idea we have to reject. Now, also, people say, yeah, but as long as you're sincere, it doesn't matter what religion, what you believe, as long as you're sincere. But sincerity is not a criteria for truth. There's uh, Charlie Brown losing again. He says, a hundred and... Eighty four to nothing, he said. I don't understand it. I mean, how can you lose when you're so sincere? However sincere you are, you're not going to win a game unless you've got the goods. So don't buy this idea. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Because finding out truth requires you look with an open mind at all the evidence to see if it holds up. And when you hear things in the science class that don't square up with the gospel, remember, you've got to check it out. And I spent years checking things out because I am a scientist, but I'm a Christian, and our faith depends on solid evidence. So you need to ask, am I open to look at all the evidence? I, I, I put stories story there to so remind you. I want to tell you an old story from when the Cold War was on, and in the factories in Moscow There were guys stealing stuff all the time. So they put guards on the doors. And the guards at every door checked people when they left work. And this guy comes out on the first Monday day with a wheelbarrow and a suspicious sack on it. And the guard says, Hey, what are you taking out of there, Petrov? He says, Well, it's just floor sweeping. It's just sawdust. Just dust from the Says, I wasn't born yesterday. Tip it out. So he tips it out. Sure enough, it's just dirt from the floor. He said, well, I don't know what you're taking that on for, but off you go. Tuesday, just the same. Wednesday, every night, he's wheeling the barrel and he's got the sack, and he says, what's that? Floor sweepings. By Friday, the guards check the sack every day. It's fit to be tight. He says, Pesovitz, listen, I know you. You know me. You tell me what's in that. What are you taking out of here? And I I won't say a word. And Pesovitz said, I'm taking wheelbarrows out. I'm taking wheelbarrows. I didn't see the wheelbarrows because he's looking at us. <laughs> and the fact is that you'll only see what you're looking for. If you're not looking for God and you listen to these TV shows, hey, not surprising you don't see him. They missed the wheelbarrows because they're looking at the sack. Now science, <coughs> science of course, is just a human activity. And what I'm saying to you, all those claims need to be checking out. Snoopy there is reading this funny claim. It says here that some birds have magnetic heads. Some birds have iron oxide in their tissue behind their eyes that helps them navigate. I say, that's not so crazy because it is the earth's magnetic field that helps birds migrate. But be that as it is may, the point is, he says, I wonder if that's you looking at poor little Woodstock. But he knows how to check it. He does an experiment <laughs> with a magnet. He said, it's you, all right. Paul <laughs> Woodstock. But you see, the truth is validated not by opinion, not by sincerity, but by experiment and experience. And that's true of the gospel. There are lots of atheists out there writing books, big names you'll come across when you do science and as you get on in the faith. People like this guy, Richard Dawkins, a professor from Oxford University in England, but they're materialists. They think there's only atoms and molecules. There's no spiritual world at all. So they think that all that we believe is just blind faith. And he says stuff like this. He writes his huge best-selling books that the that, that, that people like us who are Christians have some inner conviction that something's true or right, but he says it's a conviction that doesn't seem... To owe anything to the evidence or a reason, but which nevertheless they feel is totally convincing. Now <laughs> well, that's absolute nonsense. We're very keen on reasoning things out. We do look for evidence, and we're not like this. There's a linus there. He happens to believe in the Great Pumpkin, which is a lot of nonsense, of course. But he says to uh, Sally or Lucy, whoever it is, he said, You think the Great Pumpkin story is impossible? Well, she said, It's impossible, all right. It's, it's impossible. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. And that's what Dawkins thinks about the gospel, that it's impossible, it's stupid, and ridiculous. And he talks like, We believe it. She But I believe it. No, we're not like that as Christians. we we don't believe things without the evidence and one last thing I want to say is people think ah well if it's true you should be able to explain it No, I can't do a lot of science tonight but there's a lot in science that we observe but we can't explain mysteries it doesn't matter whether you can explain it that is not the criteria for truth let me tell you what the important question is it's not can it happen Don't have people say to you, oh, it can't happen that Jesus rose from the dead. The question is, did it happen? Did it happen? And the observational evidence is a starting point and our faith is based on not whether it can happen, but it did happen. You see, Jesus said in Matthew 12, he said, look, a wicked generation, they asked for a miraculous sign. But he said, I won't give. None will be given except one sign the sign of the prophet Jonah, because just like Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so he said, the Son of Man, Jesus, will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. In other words, say, I will be killed and buried for three days and rise again. Now, that's a sign. It's like this guy says, God, if you're up there, give me a sign. But God <laughs> said, I'm up here. Because he's given us a sign? What sign? the sign Jesus promised, the sign of the resurrection. And the Christian faith is based on the observed evidence of a real historical event, Jesus' resurrection. And if Christ is not risen, Paul says, we don't have any faith. It's empty. But the reality is that they went, they said, we're going to see the place where the Lord lay. And they go in the tomb and they find it empty. And that was a proof that it did happen and that's the basis of our faith now there's no science in that but that is to remind you that truth it's not a matter of opinion it's not a matter of being sincere it's not a matter of whether you can explain it it's whether it happened it's whether the evidence shows it to be and of course it does show the reality of Jesus rising from the dead now, I want to give you some evidence for science and this could be a bit highfalutin for some of you so I'll do it a little quickly But um, I'm just going to give you two examples why I, as a scientist, know for sure there's a real personal creator, God. One is, I want to talk about the molecules that keep us alive, the molecules of life. And I want to talk about why this whole universe is very finely tuned so that we can have life. So I'll give you those two examples as best I can in a short time. This this used to be a 12-week course of three lectures, three hour lectures, so I'll just tell you one or two little points. Because the Bible said in Romans one twenty that since the creation of the world, God's invisible, sure he's invisible, but God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature are being clearly seen from what? Being clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. And what's been made? Well, I'm a chemist and I know what's been made. Chemistry is about what has been made and what can be made. We've got a hundred elements. You'll do this when you do your chemistry class in a periodic table. And out of those 100 elements, uh, helium, lithium, beryllium, boron, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, I'm not going to go through the whole hundred, though I had to memorize them. <laughs> we get millions of compounds. And a few of them, like when I used to blow up my bottles and get water, very important. And water and carbon, and this huge molecule that you hear about on TV when there's a crime show, DNA, those are the important atoms or molecules of life. And the interesting thing that fascinates me as a chemist is that these atoms and molecules of life they're like tailor-made they're structurally fine-tuned for the job they have to do amazing and one of the I've got a little clip from one of my early lectures before my hair went a bit grey and this was not in the church it was to a bunch of science teachers but just to remind me of the good old days to show there's a huge difference between a colourless liquid like hydrogen peroxide that you combine the drugstore and water because water sustains life and I was showing them that I thought for a whole time. Water's a stable, beautiful molecule. I just put a little blood that I managed to extract That's from the 186 student in the water, and of course it doesn't decompose. This is all AIDS tested, I hope, Michelle. And what I have here is another compound. It's made of the same elements as water. It looks like water, it's hydrogen and oxygen, you see, but the excitement of chemistry is OH. That angular AX2E2 molecule, it's so different from HOOH, hydrogen peroxide. You see, the students, you can, and I'm using chemicals that we can get from the drugstore, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. No, no, Michelle, oh, she's one step ahead of me here. Okay, what I want to do is just use those enzymes to catalytically decompose the hydrogen peroxide. We're not talking about the chemistry today. I'm just talking about making it interesting because there's all the difference in the world between... Hydrogen peroxide and water. Of course, that catalytic decomposition gives off the oxygen, and the, in this kind of dramatic, stable, messy looking experiment, you can element. never confuse the fact and that these two colorless liquids, made of the same elements, are different substances, and that's the beginning of chemistry. That we have millions. Okay, let's cut that guy off. But what I'm saying is, look, water's so special. And carbon, the building block of life, all the molecules in your body are built from carbon. It's so unique because it forms molecules in great chains and rings and they're big enough to build all kinds of molecules that are tailor-made for all the different jobs required to sustain your life. It's staggering. But the proteins that your body's built from, the things needed for life, we've never, ever observed them to come just naturally by themselves in a test tube. There are big molecules that do that, plastics, where those carbon chains, they form by natural causes. Don't need to pray to get... Well, here's a little experiment that I did, and I I, I used to do it here. I put the stuff in to make nylon, and I'm pulling out the nylon cord. Now, the carbon atoms are forming a long chain to make my big, thick fishing cord there, this is nylon. Now, that's natural causes. There's no miracle about that. But the molecules of life, you can't do that with the molecules of life. They're, I'll cut that off because of time, but the big molecules of life, like proteins and the DNA, dna they don't come together all by themselves by natural causes. I mean, people have been trying to do that for years. There's a guy called Stanley Miller. When I was uh, just a young undergraduate before you were born, in the 1950s, he was putting together the components that he felt he needed to make the simple molecules of life. They had the 50th uh, anniversary of him trying to do that recently, and he said in the paper, he said, God knows when we'll be able to do it, and that's certainly true. But today, to this day, although you'll see those pictures in your science textbook, No success. The reality is, especially when you get to the big guys like DNA, very, very complicated molecules, huge structures like spirals with bridges joining them across, when you get to those guys, absolutely impossible. And I want to tell you about this difference. It's very important. Because you're not in a science class, I'll give you an analogy. Suppose you go to Arizona and you see the wind has blown the sand, and you see the rain has eroded the rocks, and you see this nice picture. Now, you could say, isn't that beautiful? Blue sky, uh, natural sculpture, s- beautiful patterns in the sand. Isn't it great wonderful? And, and the atheists, the naturalists, the unbelievers, say, what are you talking about? That's natural causes. It's the wind and the rain. It's rock erosion." Okay, that's natural causes, like the nylon. That's like the nylon rope that you saw coming from the beaker. Now look at this. This is another kind of rock erosion. Now you're at Mount Rushmore. You see Washington, Jefferson, Roosevelt and Lincoln carved in the granite cliff of Mount Rushmore and you go, who did it? You, didn't, you don't say, it's amazing what that wind and rain can do. Because you can see the difference between intelligent design and natural causes. And DNA is like that. DNA is like the four faces. You say, who did it? Because it's an instruction book. It's packed with information. You know, that molecule carries such a complex message that it uses, in chemical terms, 3.1 billion letters. Huge information. And you have, you can't imagine these numbers, but you have about a hundred trillion cells in your body and they all contain your unique DNA, so don't commit a crime and leave some, some um, bits of hair behind because they'll know it's you. Because your DNA is different from anybody else's because it's specific to you. That's why in this cartoon he said, I hate being a DNA molecule, there's so much to remember. Because that molecule has all the information that makes you, you, why am I a short guy? I mean, I'm hardly six foot tall. I'd have to climb on the drawers to see in the mirror in some hotels. It's because my mother was short, four foot eight. Little tiny lady, man. The doctor said, did you expect a giant? It's a DNA. If you walk along the beach in Hollywood and you saw a bottle with HGLP in it, a message, you wouldn't go, yeah, that's amazing, H You'd almost think someone wrote that. You'd go, hey, somebody needs help. Look at that boy you'd know it was a message. If you went in a restaurant and the guy said to me, hey, the alphabet soup's quite thought-provoking today, you would say, what are you talking about? Because the alphabet soup doesn't say anything. You see, there's a message, and, and, and a message points to a mind. You never have a message without a mind. But where the information came from, that's a mystery in science. Where that information itself comes from, it's an unsolved mystery, but you never have a message that is meaningful information without a mind. So that's one reason why I know there was a mind behind our creation. Because we're very complex. I can't give you all the chemistry today. We're complex chemical and electrical systems. And that's just a body, never mind the brain. Mind your mind. You have a brain that weighs about three pounds. But it's the most complex arrangement of matter in the entire universe. Never mind the numbers, but you have, you have about 30 trillion mental videos somewhere in your brain uh, as you get to be an adult, maybe a library of over 25 million volumes. In principle, you can think at 800 words a minute. No computer will ever come close to those with a hundred trillion neurological interconnections incredible, and as this guy said, it's the most complex arrangement of matter in the universe, and being an atheist, he said produced without the least bit of intelligence, you see intelligence is needed, God doesn't have a brain, but he has a mind, and mind is more than brain, we won't go into all that but I want to tell you, that the molecules of life, and the complexity of life, there's only one explanation, and I stand And that is a Christian and a scientist. Now, the other thing I'm going to have to do pretty quick is, let's look at the big picture. See, the whole universe is fine-tuned for life. You know, if you went at 20,000 miles an hour, in 150,000 years, in this uh, little space express, you'd reach a star just beyond our solar system. you would hardly have gone anywhere. The universe is vast. And the latest understanding from science in cosmology is prior to the first moment of creation, there was no material universe. No mass, no energy, no particles, not even time. And of course, I've always known that before science started saying it, because the Bible said the universe was formed at God's command, so what is seen was not made out of what was visible says in Hebrews 11, 13, another part of the Bible, Romans 4:17. 17, it said God calls into existence <laughs> the things that don't exist. Now, science is finally getting around to, to, to recognizing that not, something came from nothing. But the amazing thing is, and don't worry about all these constants, uh, cosmological constants and all that, the fact is the whole universe is fine-tuned for life incredible it's just right if i could use a Kellogg's packet the universe is in every way just right for life and it's an unresolved mystery in science i want you to hear these are the top cosmologists in north america struggling to explain this phenomena let's just play this movie
2: In in incredibly short time Hmm. so the universe uh... is amazingly fine-tuned uh... environment physicists are very keen to understand how it came to be this way this is an incredibly highly ordered event extremely highly ordered and uh, it's just the opposite of a chaotic event
1: which brings up the question where did
2: it get its initial order Yeah, exactly and see that's part of the primal mystery and that's what you run up against no matter where you turn or how hard you push when you look down at the fundamental constants of nature and see how they, they interlock, and especially when you start just for fun. I think when they, they started out to do it this way, they said, well, what would happen, suppose we made the gravitational constant just a little different in out the fifth decimal place or something, and, and they tried this with all the other uh, parts of, of nature and discovered that the whole thing, kind of uh, the possibility of life at least, falls apart right away. So this led to the idea of the anthropic principle, the whole idea that it's all done to sort of make uh, us possible and so on. There's an incredible number...
0: I think, well, I won't have to play all this because time's gone on. This is another famous guy. But these are non-Christian scientists struggling to get an answer. Uh, uh, the fine-tune is a great challenge for physicists. But let me just move from the whole universe to our Earth. This is a little warm, wet niche in this, but universe, and I'll give you one property of the Earth that's an example of what I call fine-tuning, and that's the way the Earth is tilted. Just
1: the tilt of the Earth's axis is an ideal 23.5 degrees. When you combine that with our moderate 24-hour rotation period, it gives us seasonal changes and a temperate climate. Even the size and distance of our Moon is nearly perfect. Its gravitational pull controls the daily movement of the tides, so they're strong enough to cleanse the shorelines without flooding the continents. So when you start comparing these different factors, the uh, size of the planet, the distance from the sun, the tilt of the Earth's axis, the rotation period, the existence of the moon, the composition, the atmosphere, and on and on, the number of things that come together is truly remarkable and uh, when you see that kind of evidence then that suggests very strongly that it didn't just happen but was caused to happen again someone designed or planned it that
0: way just another example sort of famous scientist Stephen Hawking you'll see him in a wheelchair there's a big movie about his love life in the movie houses now uh, and he has Lou Gehrig's disease he has to talk to a computer you'll see him on TV He's the leading cosmologist in the world today. Did I ever turn the mic back on, by the way? Is it on? Okay. He said the remarkable fact is that nature seems to have been very finely adjusted to make life possible. He said the odds against it are enormous. Not a Christian, but facing this mystery. Because it's a universe that all the consistency, the precise synchronization, everything's just right, and it all seems dependent on a purposeful creator. So what's the best explanation? You've got to ask yourself, look, this is the evidence. What's the best explanation? And the choice is still, is it accident or design? That's the choice you've got to make. And you've got to make it based on what? The evidence. The evidence. And, And I've searched the literature and really in the end there's only three explanations the Christian one that I believe and, and the Christians here believe is it's a purposeful creator it's God who created everything there's some version of this crazy anthropic principle I haven't tried to explain that but it's a kind of philosophical circular argument or they're now saying well there must be an infinite number of power universe, u- universes, and we just happen to be the lucky ones I look at those, and I go, then, what's the best explanation? This anthropic principle is just saying, well, the universe has to be like this because we're here. It's like if you went to the doctor because you couldn't see properly, and he said, well, your short sight is caused by an eye defect. I mean, he's not telling you anything. You knew you had an eye defect because you couldn't see. And that's what the anthropic, it's not telling you anything. It's just saying the universe is like it is because we're here. This parallel universe, there's no evidence for it. It's speculation. needs a reality check. So it leaves it. My choice is, hey, there's a powerful, purposeful creator. And that's where I stand. But there's one last question. I know you've got to get out of it in a few minutes, but, okay, the gospel's true. The evidence is overwhelming. But does it work? Just quickly, I want to tell you this. What I have found in my life is that knowing God through Jesus gives me a sense of purpose. He made the universe, He made me for a purpose. It gives me joy. I don't live fearful of death. One of these years I won't be here and you'll have to carry on the gospel because I'm going to heaven. And it gives me guidance. I could tell you about answers to prayer and scripture. Listen, I, I got one last attempt to burn down the chapel. My last attempt. There's my life application Bible. My favorite version of the Bible. And I love this one, because when I open it, something happens. <laughs> when I open it, this is, of course, a trick Bible. But you see, when I open a real Bible and hear the word of God, I get guidance. And through prayer and through scripture... I I wish I had time to tell you. I'll tell you Sunday about some incredible answers to prayer we just had with Danny there. But a life application Bible is just a symbol that you have purpose, you have joy, you have guidance because it's not only your mind you understand this evidence, it's your heart. You find that you have a purpose in your life when you have a relationship with God through Christ. Your brain and your heart they can dance together. Because, you know, whether you understood about cosmology and the fine-tuned universe and DNA, whether you understood that or not, these two guys are saying that's fine as far as it goes, but from here on in it's who you know. And the reality of our Christian faith is we know God through Christ. Because God doesn't leave us to think our way through to him. He comes to us. That's why John wrote in his Gospel, look, Jesus came as God amongst us. He dwelt among us and we saw it. We saw his glory. And of course, because he died for us, we can actually have a relationship with God and that's the gospel. And if you haven't found God, maybe the problem is you're not looking. You're like the guys who missed the wheelbarrows because Jeremiah 29 says, when you seek me, said God, with all your heart, I will be found by you. And that's the challenge. You know, I could give you a great lecture on chocolate, but you wouldn't want to understand how it's made as much as to try it. Uh, There's a lot to be said about making chocolate, but the bottom line is to taste it and see it's good. And the Bible said, if you want a real proof, you've got to taste and see. You've got to accept the Lord and believe in the Lord, and that is the ultimate way to be sure. If you want to be sure, Yeah, the evidence is there, but you've got to taste and see that the Lord is God. My prayer is all you guys, who for yourself, open that Bible, discover God is real, and by a relationship with Him, by your own prayer, find joy, find guidance. Man, I was only a kid, younger than you guys, when I received Jesus. And now I'm an old grandfather. And it's wonderful to walk with God that's what you need to do so may God help me, I'm going to say a little prayer Lord help us to understand the evidence help us to realize that Jesus is the truth and the life and help us to really taste the joy of knowing you and we just pray that each one of these folk here today will realize you've shown yourself we have a reliable message but we've got to believe it we've got to come to you and we pray you'll help us to do that for the glory of Christ and for our blessing Amen well thank you guys I think 9 o'clock was right was it God bless you and it's great to be back in Boulevard Bible Chapel here we go